Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Hub Today presents Mom to Mom. I'm Maria Sansone. Thank you so much for being here today. So this morning we are working on focusing. I know how hard it is because our days quickly fill up with soccer practice and play dates and music lessons and you know that thing called life that we're trying to get through. And when our calendars get congested, it gets harder to focus on the things that really matter if you think about it, like quality time, family game night, or just 30 minute uninterrupted walk to get your mind right. It's so hard to do it. So my guest today wrote a book on all of this and how we can help refocus, or for some of us, focus on our lives. Nero Feliciano is joining me today. She is a practicing psychotherapist. She's a podcast host. She is a mom of four. And now she is an author. I love the name of her book, by the way. It's called This Book Won't Make You Happy. Eight Keys to Finding True Contentment. And this book offers a path to sustainable and fulfilling contentment rather than happiness. So we'll get into the difference between those two. And don't worry, it sounds complicated, but she's here to explain the whole thing. So good morning. Thank you so much for being here on mom to mom It is so good to see your face. Oh, good to see you too. And thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So like I said, I love the name of the book. This book won't make you happy. You cut right to the chase. <laughs> so I think a good place to start you're not trying to make people happy. So obviously there's a difference between happiness and contentment because your job in your book is to try to get us to contentment. So tell us the difference between the two. That's such a good question. And the irony of the book is I've had so many people all over the country write me and say, this book actually made me happy for the first time, true happiness. So what really is the difference between happiness and contentment? Well, the way that I defined happiness in the book is kind of the cultural definition we've come to accept in terms of the things that we believe are gonna make us happy, the things that we strive for in life, the better job, the family, the bigger house, the more stuff or accolades or accomplishment. But what we're seeing as therapists is those, the pursuit of those things is so time consuming. You talked about it in terms of our scheduling. We have no time to really appreciate what we actually have that has the power to make us sustainably happy, even in seasons that are difficult. So in the book, I define happiness in terms of if happiness is having everything you want, contentment is wanting everything you have. It's the deep appreciation of what actually is enough in our life that we have already. Wow. So you're a psychotherapist. So you see mm -hmm. this all the time with your patients. I'm no medical professional, but I've had a lot of women come through this show who say that in general, they're happy. You know, people are healthy. Things are good. They have nothing to worry about. But yet on the day to day, they're not operating like they're happy. Where is this disconnect and how can we like connect the dots? It's the busyness. We're caught in the busyness. We're caught in the to-dos, the next thing on our list that we need to cross off. And what I talk about in the book is there are small things that we can do in the day-to-day -day that neurologically rewire our brain to appreciate the things that are good and powerful. For example, before this show, I went outside. I live in New England in Connecticut, and I sat outside for five minutes, and I just looked at the leaves. It's absolutely gorgeous this year. And that five minutes filled me enough to feel this sense of peace and a sense of contentment 
for the rest of the next couple hours. You know, I know that that's how it works, but there are little things in our life that when we're too busy, we miss them. We miss them. And these are the things that one day, if you want to think about what are those things really, when we're thinking about the end of our life, when we look back in our on our life, what do we want to remember in our life? What are those things that are most important? And do they have a place in our schedule on the day-to-day right now? That's a good way to figure out what are these things that I need to be more attuned to now and make room for. And let me guess, when you were outside looking at the leaves and taking it all in, you weren't on your phone. No, um, other than I took a picture to post on my Instagram. Oh, no. Yes. So I know. Right? You're blowing Defeat up my the theory. <laughs> but I but no, not till the end. Not okay. till the end. Because and it I was feel more like, like I, such I, a distraction to taking in constant. the bigger picture. Constant. And not only is it distraction, it sends us into the world of comparison, this unrealistic, unfair world of comparison where we're comparing people's filtered, highlighted moments to the reality of our day to day. And even though we know that it's filtered, we know that it's curated, our brain takes it all in in one swoop and we don't always differentiate it in the moment. And certainly the way we feel is not reflective of that discrepancy in terms of what we know and what we're feeling. Well, we know the research shows us that the social media and the internet and being on the phone makes us feel bad overall. Um, But this is reminding me, I was just watching Hoda and Jenna and they were talking about comparison and not on social media, but in real life. Um, There's the paper plate moms. And I loved this comparison. They were saying, when there's a sign-up sheet at school, there's the moms who are bringing the pumpkins and baking the brownies and making the cookies. And Jenna and Hoda said, we're the ones that'll say, we'll bring the paper plates. And I totally could relate to that because I'm the paper plate. I mean, I think that tends to happen with people who have full-time jobs and careers and you can't possibly compare yourself because we're all in different seasons. We're all in different stages of life. Some people stay at home, some people work. So how can we avoid the inevitable, it feels like, comparisons? I know. And it, it is hard to avoid. And there are a couple of things I suggest. And I'm laughing as you talk about the paper plate mom, because I saw that segment on Hoda and Jenna. And I literally have in my calendar tomorrow to buy the Halloween paper plates for my daughter's party next week. So I, I'm that mom. You're my people. I totally get that. I mean, when we we have to look at our strengths, there are things that we do that our kids are gaining, are learning from that are unique to us. So even though I might not be the mom that's at every class party or the crafty mom, I know my kids love that I'm a therapist. They respect that. They love that I do the media that I do. And and they um, look up to that and they're proud of that. My accomplishment is their accomplishment in, in terms of what I'm seeing in the family. So we need to, one, pay attention to our strengths and accept that because we've chosen to do certain things in our lives. There are going to be certain things that we can't do, and that's okay. No one crushes it across the board. I'm telling you that right now. Mm-hmm. There's this thought that we need to have it all and do it all, and that may be possible. We can have it all, but not all at the same time. It is not possible. When we excel in one area, we're usually taking from another area. Ooh, it's yes. that scale. I'm always on that scale, like work is good, home is not, home is good, work is not. 
yes, or work is great or relationship needs work or something like that. But, but the other thing to remember, because our brain is actually wired to compare, there's a psychological process called heuristic, which helps us take in lots of information, synthesize it quickly and make a good decision. So we're wired for comparison. Make sure we're not only looking at the people who are doing better, look at the people who are struggling, mm-hmm. look at the people we're actually, we're ahead of. And it's not to kind of put other people's down, but it's it's to balance out that comparison. So we have a more realistic view of what the picture actually is instead of constantly doing what we call upward social comparison. How about this, I'll call it, I'll be happy when syndrome. You know, I'll yeah. be happy when my family is complete. I'll be happy when I lose weight. I'll be happy when I get a promotion. Like we're always waiting for something in order to be happy. And I feel like this happens to a lot of people. How can we avoid the waiting for happiness and just enjoying where we're at? There's actually a term for that called the arrival fallacy. And it it is that belief, exactly like you said, when we get there, whatever that level is, we're going to be happier. And what we don't think about, what, what I like to say, new levels, new devils. In, in every new level, mm. there are challenges. There are benefits to that level that we're not experiencing right now, but there are also going to be challenges to that level. So say you want that new job. Yes, maybe that means you're doing more of the things you like. It can also mean longer hours, more sacrifices in your family time. It will come with new challenges, the bigger house, more expenses, more things that you have to take care of in that house. And again, a lot of it comes down to time that we sacrifice. So it's important. It's it's not to say that we don't seek those things or search those things or want those things. We do. But if we if we learn to find contentment at whatever level we're in, meaning we appreciate the things that are good in this moment, that will help us deal with the challenges of whatever level we get to. So that basic practice then can transcend the levels as we move up and we'll be able to deal with the challenges and appreciate the good without constantly just searching for the next thing. You know what I think of all the time? Enjoy yourself, it's later than you think. It's an old lyric from a really old song that would make me sound way older than I am. (laughs) I think it's Guy Lombardo. Yes, Yes. my grandma used to listen to songs like that. But um, I think about that all the time. We don't know. We don't know what's ahead. So be happy now. Okay, this is such great stuff. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, more with Nero Feliciano, psychotherapist. We're going to talk about the keys to contentment. Hey, if you like mom to mom and you're a fan of The Hub today, you've got to sign up for our new newsletter. It's called The Hubbub, and it is delivered directly to your inbox every Wednesday morning. We've got great mom to mom content on there, recipes, and all kinds of cool stuff. So all you have to do to sign up is go to NBCBoston.com slash newsletters and click on The Hubbub. Where can we begin with this contentment? It's interesting. I wrote about eight keys. And one of the questions people asked me was, did you order them a certain way? And I did. I put some of the harder practices first because they're hard, but they are keys. They will unlock this place of peace and satisfaction in your life. And the first one was acceptance. It it is just the ability and it takes practice. It's like a muscle to cultivate and to strengthen We have to accept that there are certain situations that we have the power to change in our life and certain ones that we don't. 
And I find as a therapist that gets people stuck when we're constantly fighting these situations that we can't change. And you'll know what situations they are if you're asking the question, why did this happen to me? Why me? Um, those are situations that really prevent us from feeling content. And, and I go on from there, but a second one is self-compassion, the way we talk to ourselves. Are we giving ourselves the same kind of grace that we would give someone else who's made the same mistake or in that same situation? Our self-talk is powerful. Are we kind to ourselves? Do we talk to ourselves like we talk to our friends? Um, I often tell clients, if you talk to yourself the way you talk to your friend, no one would hang out with you because, because we're critical. So those two were the hard ones off the bat. Um, but some some ones that have really quick return, gratitude, a big one. It's how we navigate our life. I think it's the heartbeat of contentment, being able to sit down and say, what is good in my life today? What is something that I don't want to take for granted that maybe I do because I'm so busy right now? Just sitting and focusing on that. And we know the benefits are physical. People who practice gratitude live longer. They live healthier. They have less illness. And there's a correlation between reducing stress in our body and any practice that does that and increased immune function. That's why all the practices I wrote about really do have research in longevity as well, a correlation there. So gratitude is a big one. We can do gratitude rituals just around the tables with our family, going around and saying, hey, what, what was good today for everybody or this week? And at first my kids fought me on this, but now part of our routine, they like it when we actually get to sit down when someone's not on a sports field and and have that meal. So those, those are three that... Um, you know, the first two a bit harder, but gratitude is one that we can practice daily, writing things down in a gratitude journal, just bullet points so we don't forget them. They have a powerful impact on our mood, on our behavior, and on our general feeling of contentment. And you keep talking about practicing this because, yes, this is like a practice. It's almost like yoga, right? You have to keep at it. Um, how important is consistency? Because I'll find myself, we'll have a great conversation like this, or I'll read a book that really resonates and I'll be really good for a while. And I'll think about gratitude and do all the right things. And then of course life gets in the way or whatever, kind of like working out for me, <laughs> I'll be really good. And then I easily fall off. So how do you recommend people stay consistent? Cause I imagine like anything, consistency is key with this as we're trying to find our contentment. It, it is. And as moms, we have to be realistic too. You know, life doesn't follow our well-planned schedule. There are always things we're shifting at the last moment, adding in fires we're putting out somewhere. So we have to give ourselves that grace. I, I posted, I think yesterday on my Instagram that I follow my advice 30 to 40% of the time, 40% would be a good day, a good week. Mm -hmm. But even that is some level of consistency and I keep trying. So what I suggest, and I do have a chapter in the book on habit formation, and that goes back to kind of making these habits, practices consistent. We want to make it as easy as possible to begin with when we're starting a new practice. As easy as possible. So maybe gratitude for you is just waking up in the morning and thinking about two or three things that you were grateful for yesterday or today. You know, don't set yourself up to write a whole journal if you know that's going to be hard. Keep it simple. Focus on one thing at a time and be kind to yourself and give yourself grace when you're not consistent because the negative attitude towards ourself will increase the resistance and decrease the motivation to keep going in that habit. 
I think a lot of people bite off more they, they can chew in the beginning. Um, so it sounds like what you're saying is little baby steps is actually yes. the way to go. And in the book, you actually say change does not have to be drastic to be effective. And I like that because I think about that all the time. The little, the, every little decision we make, you know, whether it's like, at Starbucks and, you know, they're asking what you want in your coffee. I'm like, today I'm going to make a little tiny change and, you know, instead of doing this, do that. Um, and I do like to think that those little tiny things add up. So whether it's doing a little bit of gratitude in the morning or kind of like taking one of your keys to success and, and biting it off just one day at a time. Is that what I'm hearing? Huge, huge difference. And there's an old spiritual verse that says, do not underestimate the power of the small. Because those small moments throughout your day add up to a big impact in your lifetime. So start very small and find something that you would enjoy that you can incorporate in your life. And it will make a difference. I actually just interviewed a sleep expert for my podcast. And he was saying even five minutes of rest, which is kind of non-cognitive when your mind is rested, activity during the day, throughout your day, makes for a better night's sleep. Just five minutes, hmm. just five minutes. And we all have five minutes where we're scrolling or doing something mindless that we can devote to a gratitude practice or maybe some relaxation breathing to practice mindfulness and presence. But just pick one thing and five minutes a day to start. That's that's a good start. Well, we're a culture, I don't want to generalize here, but we don't really, the way we look at rest, for example, I mean, if I were to just like go in a room here and shut my eyes for five minutes, <laughs> Like, what's wrong with her? Is she yeah. okay? Um, we, you know, here in the U.S., it seems like there's places that siesta or take a little break throughout the day, which I think is so important. Not so much here. Um, we're a culture that values go, go, go and productivity. So in a world like that, it really can challenge this intentional living that we're trying to do. And especially rest. Rest is looked at as lazy. Yeah, we wear busyness, you must have heard, as a badge of honor. Yeah. It's how much can we produce, perform, and our self-worth often lies in that level of accomplishment. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a working mom or a student these days, look at our seniors. They're so stressed out. And, and so much of their self-worth is based on that accomplishment. And that's why I say contentment is hard because we're really going against the culture to achieve something healthy for ourselves and our family. So unless we're intentional about it, all our cultural messaging will take us away from it. But that's why I wrote the book because I felt like we needed it. We needed it and if, if we wanna stay mentally and physically healthy for a longer duration of time. And you also say we have to really understand our values, mm. right? So like we kind of have to look at the bigger picture before we even go back and start doing this work, like understanding what's important to us as a whole. And I think we'd be surprised how we're actually living our lives versus how we think we want to live our lives. That's right. And, and I wrote about in the book, there was a point where I was sitting in session with an adolescent and it was like a 45 minute session. And in my mind, I had the thought, when was the last time I sat with my own child for 45 minutes and had a conversation? And not to say my kid is going to sit there with me and talk to me for 45 minutes, but even 10 or 15 minutes. And I could not remember. And that's where I realized I had to make changes in my life. I needed my schedule 
to reflect more of the things that I valued than it did in that moment. And it doesn't mean that it's going to totally line up with your values. But if we sit down and do that little exercise, what are the most important things in my life? And where do they fall in my schedule? How much time have I allotted to these things? At least it begins the process of helping us to understand where we want to spend more time in order to feel content with our lives. Our values have to somewhat line up with our schedules. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of schedules, we have to take a quick break. <laughs> but when we come back, we're going to talk about how we can help our kids find contentment when we come back. Hey, if you like mom to mom and you're a fan of The Hub today, you've got to sign up for our new newsletter. It's called The Hubbub, and it is delivered directly to your inbox every Wednesday morning. We've got great mom to mom content on there, recipes, and all kinds of cool stuff. So all you have to do to sign up is go to NBCBoston.com slash newsletters and click on The Hubbub. You had so much great information about how we can find contentment in our lives. But now my question is, how can we help foster this in our children? That's a good question. And I wrote in a book, one of my favorite quotes, and I believe it's by Emerson. And it he says, what you do speak so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. And it's all about modeling. What are we showing them in terms of our own contentment, our own messaging, on what's important in our lives, our values. They internalize that far more than the things that we're saying. Are we content? And are what are we focused on in terms of expressing our um, perception of value in their life? Are we only commenting on their accomplishments and their achievements? Because then we're gonna send them in that cycle of having to prove their worth and, and their value in their own life, going to the next thing. Or are we talking about things like their character? Are we affirming their kindness? Are we talking about things that they don't have to earn because they're inherently worthy in terms of who they are? So a lot of what we do has to do with our modeling and messaging around them and, and our own level of contentment, which then will permeate the family. All right. So to keep it real, because that's what we do here on the show, you are a mom of four, you are an author, yeah. you are busy, you are a psychotherapist, all this stuff. You've written the book on contentment, but you're not always happy, right? There, you have bad days. No. <laughs> yeah. and that's, that's the point. That's the difference, Maria. That's the difference between happiness and contentment. I can't always get to happy, but I know how to get to contentment because it's it. rooted in those things that really don't change all that much that we have control over. Happiness, we don't always have control over. We lose jobs, we lose loved ones. Our moods are gonna come and go. Those highs of life, they're wonderful, but they're not always in our control and they're not sustainable. But contentment goes a lot deeper and, and it has to do with gratitude. It has to do with connection to the people that we love. It has to do with investing time in those relationships and finding simple things in life that can fill us, like me sitting outside and looking at the leaves today, those things that fill us. It's a walk on a beautiful morning. Um, it's spending time having coffee with a friend, those things. And I describe it in the book, it's like that, um, 
well-worn, comfortable sweatshirt, you know, like the dress that you bought and the stiletto heels, they're awesome. We get tired of them often, but the sweatshirt, you have that for like 20 years, you know, 20, 30 years. And that's more what contentment is like. So yeah, no, I'm not always happy. We run a crazy pace, but I know when I'm feeling that way, what I need to do to get back into that place where I feel centered. And those are the things I wrote about in the book. Those are the practices that get me there. Well, this is great stuff. You've given us, given me so much to think about today. Um, but before I let you go, how about a little rapid fire? I like to do this with my Let's mamas on the show. So I'll throw something at you. First thing that comes to your mind. Uh, okay. Last thing you binged, TV oh. wise. <laughs> um, binged is Bridgerton. Oh, okay. I started watching from scratch two nights ago. Didn't binge it, but watched one episode and it's definitely bingeable. I went back to Mad Men from scratch. Highly oh. recommend. <laughs> Highly recommend. All right. Favorite way to move your body and stay active. I love Orange Theory. Oh, I do Orange one. Theory. And good workout. You get a lot in in a short amount of time. So last, good for Google. Last thing you Googled. Oh. That's a tough one. I Google all day long. <laughs> It was probably a recipe for something pumpkin spice. You're I'll, speaking I'll my language. Last person you spoke to on the phone, not texted, but talked to. Oh, my husband. Mm. I just talked to him a little while ago. I talked to him several times a day, even for like a minute. Last thing you cooked. The last thing I cooked. Oh, my gosh. This is the mom brain. Why well, can't even remember last night? Tomato soup. I oh. made tomato soup. <laughs> Perfect for this time of year. <laughs> uh, biggest mom fail. Oh, man, there's so many. Honestly, there's so many. But the one that I will never forget about is when I forgot to send my preschooler in PJs for PJ Day. Oh, yeah. And I rearranged a patient to go bring the PJs to PJ Day in the morning. And she still complains about how she had to get dressed in the bathroom and how embarrassing <laughs> it was. You so ruined I, like, it was her life. All over. <laughs> yeah. Even when I tried, it was a fail. All right. Biggest mom win. We can't end on that. Oh, I'll tell you, last week, my 15-year-old, this is a hard age to parent. It can make me cry when I'm talking about it. said, I'm really glad to have a therapist, mom. I appreciate that. And that's our biggest fear as therapists, that we're going to screw up our kids and help all the other ones. So to hear that from a sophomore in high school was, that is my biggest, like, I think lifetime win. And it's not just exclusive to therapists. We're all worried we're going to screw up our kids. So. <laughs> yes. That's a universal truth for all parents. Um, this was Rude. so much fun. I learned so much. I can't wait to get my hands on your book because I want to be content till the end of my day. So thank you so much for being here. Let everyone know where they can find you um, out there and social and find your book and all that stuff. Sure. My website's a good place to go, neurofeliciano.com. And that has podcast info and blog. I write for Psychology Today. And my Instagram. I do a lot on Instagram at neurofeliciano. Awesome. Yes, she is a good follow, so check her out. Thank you so much for being here. I know how busy oh, you are. Oh, thank you so much. It was so great to connect with you. Bye.